August 20th, 2023. I'd like to, this morning, continue a conversation that we started last week. If you weren't here last week, it's certainly okay. If you were, maybe it'll be even more exciting. We talked, we began talking about the Sidur, and the title of the class was From Specialized to Standardized. And without getting into the particular example that we used in order to draw forth the concept, the idea, what we talked about last week was the idea that tefillah as an entity, prayer as a concept, by definition, back to biblical time, but even in initial Talmudic conversations with regards to the vision of the rabbis, with regards to what tefillah truly is, could and should be as specialized as necessary. Uh, to petition, to call out to God, by definition, is where you find yourself in a conversation. It's a dialogue, it's a relationship. To standardize it, to structure it, to give specific words and times and contexts, that's already taking it away from certainly the way the Torah seems to describe with very terse and brief comments about calling out to God during times of need and difficulty and sorrow. Even the rabbis, when they envision Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov, as we uh, mentioned, it's in organic, spontaneous circumstances where they cry out. It's a necessary step and stage in prayer that we have this standardized text. It's an exile reality. It's as Harambam describes it. The fact that since people don't know how to any longer articulate themselves properly, don't know how to understand and fathom a relationship with God, might be more detached with regards to that connectedness. So a necessary text is in place. That's what we call the Sidur, the Seder HaTefillah. Uh, but in developing and understanding where we've come with regards to tefillah and appreciating at the same time the opportunity at times uh, to find that spontaneous outcry within halacha and otherwise, uh, what, uh, what the irony that's just striking throughout is how tefillah of all concepts and all areas of halacha, at least in my mind, has emerged as perhaps the most standardized. That's not to say different communities don't pray in different ways. It is to say, as we mentioned last week, that the Sidur, the actual book, has emerged, at least in my life, uh, as a, uh, certainly amongst the people, as a source for law, as a source for, well, what do I say? It must be in the book. When do we skip Tahanun? It must be in the book. There's a particular irony, again, all the examples that we addressed last week notwithstanding, that Tefillah, or more specifically the Sidur, has become anything but specialized, and everything with regards to standardizing a community, a nation, the Sidur has emerged ironically as the body of work prayer has brought us together in certain aspects over the course of time, and specifically in recent times, as the standardizing text and entity. Uh, so I'd like to con continue that conversation a bit forward uh, this week. It, uh, I reflect back on a conversation I had just this past Friday with someone. He was a graduate of the Yeshiva of Flatbush. He's a SY, from the community, but he said he was raised and reared saying, Ashkenazic Berkat Amazon. I assume with the tune, uh, the nigun, the nigun, I'm sure, uh, but he was really referring to the words. He says he has a very hard time when he gets to Bekat Amazon today, when he wants to say it, Sefaradi, just uh, being able to say the words properly. He said his, uh, his uh, mother's tongue on that is, not, not his actual mother, but his easy uh, expression is the Ashkenazic way. Not in terms, we're not talking about the diction and the way that he says the words. We're talking about the actual words. Uh, so he said to me, does he need to work really hard to change that? It's a fascinating question because 
Effectively, and the poskim, I told him very briefly, really addressed this matter. Effectively, what he's asking is, is the definition with regards to nosach, with regards to the version that I have, a tradition that has to be inborn because of my parent, or this is the parallel. In other words, the same types of conversations we've had with regards to books taking the place of mentors and rabbis and becoming the entity of, well, I don't have any longer a Rav Muvhak, I find it in my books. I don't have a concept of, I can't be per se, cholik on a rabbi with regards to Pesach Halacha, but I maybe need to be dedicated to the books, conversations we've had in the series called The Written Words of Halacha. Effectively, in this type of context, do I have a surrogate parent? Is the school, is my rearing, is the way that I was raised to speak like that, not in the way I'm speaking, to say those words, does that become my nosach? Is that my tradition? So that's the conversation that has to be had and is had in that sort of context. But taking a step backward from that conversation with regards to, well, he was brought up this way and he wants to do it differently, it's based on his family and household. What about just quite simply, and it it took place many times over the course of our history, uh, most recently in uh, the influx to Israel some 70, 80 years ago, but earlier than that, this is the first source on our page is from Sheilot Teshubot Maharash Dam. Now most, if not all the sources on, uh, on the, uh, the source sheet this week are the standard sources with regards to this conversation. I apologize, Merosh, there's not, uh, well, I try to bring a creative addition or a flair and, and, and interpretation. Uh, this week, I think it's very important just to get across the concept, to uh, articulate and, to, uh, and, and to, to deliberately bring it forth, just deal with these standard sources in any conversation with regards to changing a nosah of tefillah. So here's the context of source number one. One of the earliest sources to address this, 16th century Greece. Salonika, if I'm not mistaken, Maharashtam Rabbi Shmuel di Medina. He's dealing with a time during which, not too long after the expulsion from Spain and Portugal, he has many Spanish tradition Jews, but in addition, many Greek tradition Jews. In addition, Jews from Germany. In addition, Jews from other places all together sharing spaces in synagogues and in minyanim. And the question is, because apparently the Spanish version of prayer was easiest, as he describes it. It was the easiest to get through. He even writes it was the shortest. Uh, Can, the people want to know, can they now accept as one, just the Spanish version with regards to what the tefillah. Now, we're not talking about major, major changes. Imagine, I know I'm speaking with a real born and bred community, well, not everyone, but uh, the community people. Imagine going to a Chabad. You do recognize what's going on. I know that's the only analog we have here. I go to a Chabad. You do know what's going on. It's a little bit different. There's a few words different here and there. Chabad happens to be the closest to our uh, Nosah because it's influenced by Arizal and others. We can address that at a later point. Uh, but imagine that. So it's not too, per se altogether different. We're not changing the structure and the ordering. We're changing certain points. One of the examples that'll come up, for example, is um, do you say hodu, same words, it's mizmorim and tehilim, before Baruch She'amar or after Baruch She'amar? The Syrians figure this one out. We don't say it at all. But effectively, <laughs> effectively the Syrians will say it before and Ashkenazi Sepharadim will say it before and Ashkenazim will say it afterwards. Those sorts of questions. Again, I've, just knee-jerk response without getting into 
And you'd imagine we don't need to, into the minutia. This is where Joe Kesri wants me to be at this point. What type of question is this? It's prayer. It's authentic. It's genuine. It's organic. You find yourself in that synagogue, and that's the way they're speaking, and that's the easiest way to express yourself. Of course it should be permitted. Of course it's not a halachic debate and conversation, and yet, not that his conclusion will be bothersome per se or ironic, but the very question, the very notion that when it comes to prayer, perhaps there is something standardized to the extent that the nosah cannot be changed, that the nosah has become standardized to the extent that I envision it as make certain that you keep steadfast to the traditions and the ways of your family. Fascinating, prayer. Prayer has emerged long ago, but here and throughout this class's sources, as a standardized text to the extent that we need to have serious halachic debates and might not even be permitting in any fluidity. Here's the question. Many people have had this influx to Greece. The Greek prayer is the predominant one, and it's the fastest and the easiest uh, to get through, and people as a result have already changed the way that they're praying. Parenthetically, we're not going to address it in this class, but in another class we've addressed it to a certain extent. Again, as I mentioned, uh, in the called the influx or the resettling of the land of Israel in 48 and thereafter, there was again this sort of question, could we and should we bring forth a nosach ahid, a singular text to the tefillah? Uh, Rabbi Shlomo Gorin was a real proponent of such. Let's do away with different nuschalot. Let's bring one nosach. Rabbi Rabinovitz discussed this and dealt with it in specific circumstances. Uh, just uh, last year when Rabbi Stav came, Rabbi Stav in a off-the-cuff conversation, but he talks about it, I think, publicly. His vision is we should do away in an ideal sense. I don't know if he talks ideally any longer, unfortunately, in the state of Israel, but at the time, he was saying, do away with two chief rabbis, one chief, one rabbi, one rabbinate, a vision in which we're doing away with this bifurcation and different approaches. But again, effectively, you're dealing with this during times of dissolved old communities, everybody coming together, and in turn, the question is, is this appropriate? Kemoshu ayom be'ir ve'em saloniki, and it says, Shikila kadesha kalabraya, o provinsaya, vesicilia, o polia, tafsu min hag svarad, lo nishar kimat kim hakila kadesha ashkenaz, sheloshinu min hagam. Until today, at least the ones I know, the Yeki Jews, the German Jews, they're the most stubborn. He says, the only ones in our Medina, in our, in our province, who kept their prayers as they were are the Germans. Everyone else, that's what he writes. And even in the 16th century and mid-16th century, I don't know, you're not so far, so long after, uh, after expulsion. Amazingly. Amazing. They were rigid from then until now. All right. And no, my in-laws are not German. What's that? That's right. In Halab, you had the Musta'aravi, and then you had the Sfaradim. Uh, so, you know, you, you do find and will find everywhere and always. Of course, we know the joke, the deserted island, you need two synagogues, one and the one you don't go to. I don't, but, but fascinatingly, what you're dealing with over here is a question, 
can they continue with that nosach of tefillah? And it's not even a question, by the way, about lotit godidu, which we dealt with in past summers and past classes. It's a question in changing custom. It's again, everybody's already doing it. Is it appropriate? It's not that they're breaking off, making their own congregation, starting a splinter. It's not the issue. There are those who are not so happy. Right. But they still know... That's right. That's why it's not an issue of splinter groups. The question is, here's the question, There are some who say, these are the splinter group, we want to keep uh, the way it once was. We want to have the nosach of the week. We want to be able to say, this is how we did it in the old country. This is the way we should say it, do it now. And in turn, everyone else says, why would you want to do that? We haven't done that for years, for decades. We don't talk that way any longer. You want to dust off the old prayer book and begin again the way your grandfather did it? Okay, get with the times. That's effectively what, what's the dispute over here. And it's a fascinating thing. His claim, Maharashtam, again, you'd have to meet each one of these individuals. He says, if they were to force the people to go back to their old ways, they wouldn't be able to do it. They'd be stumbling on the words. They're already, like that young man, although not identical, he already says to Bekatamazon, the Ashkenazic way. He said to me, it's going to be hard. It wasn't, it's not the same thing. It's Bekatamazon, and it's a few, it's not, not the same thing at all. But that's the question. The question that was posed to Maharashtam, and again, think about the irony. Prayer, authentic expression, connectedness to God, spontaneous, all that sort of business. But maybe, since your grandfather did it this way, even though this is the way you know to do it, even though it's the easiest way for you to do it, even though this is the way the congregation at large is doing it, maybe you have to do it uh, the old way. Maybe you need to revert back. Do they think that it's wrong to do it the other way? They think there's a Gemara, they're, play, they're playing with, not playing with, they're dealing with a Gemara in Masechet Pesachim and Dafnun. I at no point actually cited on the page, but I can just very briefly summarize. The Gemara over there <coughs> deals with several cases where there was an expression amongst both Tanaic and Amoraic rabbis, Gemara and Mishnah, Mishnah and Gemara rabbis, in which there was a vision, a realization, you can't change the minhag you have. And the question is, what sort of minhag are we dealing with? Uh, there's a concept, uh, it's a pasuk, but uh, I remember the first time hearing this, someone was saying to me something about changing tefillin, 25 something, 30 years ago, and he quoted that passage, pasuk mishle, I mean, what are you dealing with? He said, no, no, they talk, and they do, there is such a conversation, again, it's not because it's a source, halakhically speaking, it's a vision, it's a perspective of, we are set in a way, and you're not supposed to per se veer off of that. There's something dangerous or more than dangerous wrong about doing so. So that's the question that they're asking. Maharashtam effectively says, what are you talking about? Effectively responds, that gemara, those conversations, that's when you're dealing with a serich of isur. That's when you're dealing with something that might be forbidden. This was our way. And now they're doing it this way, and you could make the claim, if we do it this way, we're violating, so let's go back to the old way. The words of the tefillah, 
We're not de- I mean, maybe it could be, but that's not what he was dealing with in Sfaradi version versus, I don't know, any of the other versions that you were dealing with in the, uh, the communities that he cites. And as a result, he says, continue doing it that way. He goes further. He says, he says the words. He says, let's help them pray. I mean, I, I, it's very re- relieving that he says those words. He says, help them pray. This is how they know how to pray. Let them follow and pay attention, he says, to Hazarat Ashas. It's an amazing thing. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that out loud in the synagogue, but he says, let them pay attention to Hazarat Ashas. He didn't say, let's just do Kol Ram. He says, let them pay attention to Hazarat Ashas. He says, otherwise, they're going to be involved in Divrei Havai. They'll be wasting their time. So again, Maharashtam. And again, there shouldn't be surprise. It'll be surprising in another direction. The only surprise we have in Maharashtam is that this was a question. And maybe you're not surprised. For me, so to speak, taking myself out of the halachic minutia, I'm surprised. Can't believe that's a question. It's prayer. Pray however you need to. No, no, it might be inappropriate. The answer is, it's okay. What about tradition? Tradition is only problematic with regards to that change, purposeful or continued, if it's going to run into a potential isur, a problem and and situation. That's source number one. Source number two, fast forwarding. Several hundred years, completely different context, and yet similar dilemmas. It's in Eastern Europe, and if I'm not mistaken, we're early 19th century. Hatam Sofer, Rabbi Moshe Sofer. Now, at this point, in this Tishuba, he's not contending with, which he sometimes is, the reformers with regards to you know, going away or veering from what we'd imagine in today's day and age as the traditional Judaism, reform, actual movement, but rather different style, lowercase reformers. He's dealing with a time during which there's a enhanced realization and popularity of a Kabbalistic version of prayer known as Nosa Ha'ari. He's dealing with a time during which people are now using Rabbi Yitzhak Luria, that's a 16th century um, Sefat rabbi, but his version of prayer as his students handed it down, he says, and you're finding that now in Eastern Europe, different people want to start praying that way. He writes explicitly, my rabbis began praying that way. Rabbi Nassim Adler, the Sefer Hafla'ah, they both began praying in this Nosa Ha'ari. And he says, now others want to do this. Now, the pushback here, I believe, is somewhat inspired by, my goodness, we're going to lose all tradition. But at the end of the day, his suggestion, the way he articulates this is, doesn't, need, doesn't even go as far as Maharashtam. Maharashtam says, well, a minhag is so because it has an isur connected over here. That's not the case. His words, let's listen to his words in source number two. It's in Simantet Vav, again in Simantet Zayn. Hine kevar giliti da'ati lechol ha'omedim lefanai ki kach kibalti merabotai zichron sadikim livracha vehem. Mori Hagaon Hasich Bekeuna, Mori Harav Nathan Adler. Ramnasin Adler, Hacham Vadeh Yosef, is very fond of mentioning how he changed his, his Havara. He went from an Eastern European Havara, he imported a Middle Eastern Jew, a rabbi, to teach him how to speak differently so he could say Kiryat Shema and pray with a Havara Sfaradit. But regardless, he's quoting from his rabbi, the Hagaon, Rabban Shel Kobane Agola, Haflaa, Hashem, Mehem, Shatiti, Tilalael, Mikoram, Hasavti, Kikonus Haot, listen to the word, Kolanus Haot, Shavot, Zo, Kazo. 
This is all the noshot. Again, when I say liberally, I'm too liberal in saying it, any prayer, I don't mean any prayer, I mean any t- traditional prayer, following the way the Chachmeh HaTalmud and Chachmeh HaMishnah structured our prayer, following what, what has developed over time. But when it comes down to it, the nuance of if Hodu is before or after, again, or not at all, in that sort of question, says Hatam Sofer, he doesn't use these words, at least not in this Teshuvah. They're both okay. How could he say that? How's he comfortable with such an expression? The answer, as I understand it quite simply, is this is tefillah. Tefillah is not this standardized minhag action uh, circumstance. Tefillah is a petition to God. And as a result, provided that it followed the structure which the rabbis provide, uh, gave to us, you're not dealing any longer, and, and in these sorts of circumstances, with those sorts of restrictions, as you would maybe in other, uh, other, uh, other circumstances of halacha. That's the first two sources. The first two sources, to, the, to a certain extent, uh, no irony. The first two sources on our page, major authorities, Maharashtam and Hatam Sofer, say to us, when it comes to prayer, choose a prayer text. You have your family one, go with it. You've developed another one, no problem. Provided that it's all a part of, you know, some sort of tradition, we're okay with that. That's, that's their statement. Really, no, no ironies. Just to top that all <laughs> off before we bring it in a different direction, which is really the predominant direction, is Hachamo Vadya Yosef and Sheilot Shubot Yabiya Omer Halekvav and Siman Yod. This is one of many places where he addresses similar such matters, and he's talking about Tefillat Nosach Ahid and this Teshubah, but he cites from Maran Ahidar Bihaim Yosef David Azulai, who notes, without getting into the specifics, who notes that the Sephardic, defined accordingly, the Sephardic Nosach of Tefillah is the best one. And therefore, Chacham Ovadia Yosef's approach, following a long line of others, is, well, you shouldn't be changing your Nosach unless you're going up. You're going up. You're going to the Nosach Hasfaradim, of course. Which one of the Nosach Hasfaradim I might in turn ask you? Uh, that's, that's a great question. What's that? closest to where the entire Says you. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, the Ammonites will tell you otherwise. Sure, you know, they're, that's, probably, they're probably even the closest right. at this point. So regardless, regardless of the specifics, regardless of the reality, regardless of the way the other side will hear this as an explicit racist, not from you, but explicit yeah. racist na- <laughs> na- notion, regardless of all that right now, I mentioned this... They will. Don't, don't forget that the Munkachu Rebbe referred to the Svaradim as Sifardeim, as frogs. That's, that was a racist comment, just like, not Hacham Vadya Yosef per se, although he did. I've mentioned it more than once. When he talked about the evolution, I heard him say it once, when he, when he talked about the evolution of how in, in the land of Israel, in contemporary land of Israel, Medinat Israel, they determined how to speak early on. This is probably the early 40s or 30, maybe 30s even, how to speak and how to write. Should they write with Hatsi Kulmus in the traditional rabbinic uh, Sephardic Middle Eastern way and, uh, or the cursive uh, that, that is used today? Or, and how should they speak with an Ashkenazis or with something along the lines akin to the Sephardic Middle Eastern way? He said they, they resolved it. They said, Hakol kol Yaakov The kol is Yaakov, the Sephardim. They speak like Sephardim and they write like 
Esav, like Ashkenazim. So, you know, that was a little, little racist uh, as well. Regardless, not my issue at the current moment, but it's just to note that in terms of this direction, Chacham Vadi Yosef jumps onto this. And he knows, the tradi- he knows the traditional text that preceded him. He records them and in turn is comfortable with a shift of sorts, maybe in one direction, but a shift in terms of Nosa Hatefila. I go from that too the following last sources, which are the ironic ones. The following last sources are oftentimes the more overbearing sources. When these sorts of questions are addressed, these are the ones that are generally speaking invoked. If you look in many of the poskes imanenu, they start with and oftentimes end with these last sources. It's not discrediting the other sources. It's saying, well, you've got to take into account these words. And obviously, if you've been keeping track, you know where I'm going, where they're going to be going. They're going to be anything but liberal in their acceptance of other nushaot or in a transference of one to the other. Beginning with the major commentator on Shohan Aruch or Haim Magen Abraham. Again, Abraham is on the standard page of any Shulchan Aruch. His words are exceptionally important with regards to Pesach Halacha when you're learning Ora Hayim. In Siman Samech Het, he cites. He's really citing it from a tradition from Arizal, but he just cites it. Omnam hamin hagim shenagu b'shoshea tefila en leshanot miminhag mekomo. When it comes to prayer, do not change the nosach of your place, uh, of your community. Ki. There are 12 gates in the heaven. Neged yod bet shevatim, parallel to 12 tribes. Kol shevet levad, each one of them, he's quoting from Arizal, has its own custom and its own prayer. He in turn cites from Talmud Yerushalmi. Sites from Talmud Yerushalmi. Do not stray. What's that? It's two different expressions. Indeed, indeed. He's equating the two. He's saying the makom is defined by your father's. 100%, it'll get you into that conversation, really, that I began the class with, the Bekat Mazon. what's the minhag in that respect? Agreed. But ultimately speaking, if there is a minhag, defined accordingly, important question to be had, but you can't change it. Why not? Because there are 12 gateways. And if you try to change it, and you're not from that tribe, and it's not your appropriate way, your prayer is not going to be elevated. Something along those lines. In truth, in Sha'ar HaKavanot, of course, Maharhu, that's the student of Arizal, in source number five, he writes it explicitly. He brings us through this conversation. So he talks about the 12 gates. He talks about the fact that you shouldn't be changing and you may not change. And if you're to do so, you don't know which tribe you come from. And as a result, your prayer cannot and will not be effective. Yes, sorry, Avi. Isn't that paradoxical that, that, that they are seeing that, that that is a means of change? Says Avi. Thank you. Someone's, got, someone's in touch with it. Um, says Avi, one second. You told us earlier, Avi Harari, um, that there's something called Nosach Arizal, which made us think that Ari, be it Hakluria, is an individual who made, quote, his own Nosach HaTefilah. We call it Nosach Arizal. At the same time, he is the one who's being cited in source number five, and in turn in source number four earlier, as the individual who says, you may not change it. Fantastic paradox. 
Excellent question, asked by many. Uh, you want the, you know, the, the the stabs at it? The stabs at it go, um, he was a Svaradi, so he was elevating it to the Svaradi way, something along those lines. Or he was an Ashkenazi and turning to Svaradi. There's, there's conversations about these. We happen to think he was Ashkenazi in origin. Um, alternatively, if you have it, the Sod Hashem Lire'av, and I'm, I'm not saying any of this cynically, I'm just saying the way it's, what's, it's described. If you have the right, you know, you have the, that, that actual version, you know the Arizal's right, he's the one as opposed to others. It's what Hatam Sofer kind of said. Hatam Sofer said, these can say that Nosa Harizal, they're elevating. Everyone else should stay in their, in, in their lane because it's all okay. His version, well, don't change it at all. There's a lot of paradoxes, a lot of contradictions, a lot of difficulty, which you're pointing out excellently. But the point is still made. Ultimately speaking, his point, which is the repeated point, the issue notwithstanding, which is an important and difficult one, is that what's often cited, and turn pity, Megadim in source number six says it explicitly, is you have your Nosah, Ashkenazi or Svaradi, no crossover. Why not? Problematic. There is, I don't know if it's, I mean, I'm sure it's sourced. I don't know how, how well sourced it is in terms of origin. There is, in the Hasidic world, they say that the Baal Shem Tov, who of course was a real adherent to Lurianic Kabbalah and vision, he said, yeah, of course there are 12 gates, but there's also a 13th. In his, in his acceptance of all, the 13th is for anyone else. Anyone who wants to come a part of this, who wasn't from one of the tribes, you, want, you, could, you could tap into the 13th, which kind of rids the whole punch, all the sting of, there's only 12 gates, and if you don't fit into one of those, that's the Baal Shem Tov, sure, there are 12 gates, and then there's the 13th. The 13th is the Sha'ar HaKolel, it's the one that's accepting of all. But regardless of the Baal Shem Tov, I want to just repeat to you what we saw in 4, 5, and 6. What we saw are the strongest voices on this matter, each of whom is stating unequivocally that when it comes to prayer, if you have a communal prayer, a familial prayer, uh, whatever prayer version you have, no changing it, no changing it. It's prayer for heaven's sake. The whole entity of prayer was a bidiavat, so to speak. It was, it was after the fact. It wasn't, wasn't, a, a, it wasn't supposed to be that way. We needed a structure and specific words of prayer because we didn't know how to do this on our own. Are you telling me that now, and the answer is yes, they are telling us now that it's been standardized, prayer has become its own entity to the extent that that organic, authentic, spontaneous side of it has been to a certain extent lost. So much so that there are, Nisim will help us with this, there are questions with regards to changes in prayer books until today when individuals come along, scholars, and change, there's always upheaval. So for example, Rabbi Meir Mazuz, who's a rabbi living today, he has a sidur, the Ishmatliah sidur, many changes based on sources, based on understanding, based on diukim, tremendously controversial. How dare he do that? But he was looking to change and to revert back. Others did it likewise. Haki Sasson did a version as well, sourced as well, and uh, I, I, maybe less known, but certainly, certainly out there as well in terms of a direction with regards to this. Rabbi Yitzhak Yosef, who's outspoken against the Ishmats, the Ahsidur, if I'm not mistaken, to a certain extent, he himself has to admit to the fact that when his father instructed him to make a Sidur, there were a good 200 changes. 200 changes, but our changes were the authentic changes. And the other ones, as, 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 it, it turns into a very difficult terrain over here. Because on the one hand, we have this sourcing which tells us prayer became so standardized. On the other hand, we said, but we want it to be organic, we want it to be authentic, we want it to be right. 
where, where are we left in this respect? So yes, a prayer book, a tefillah, a text of prayer, could and should be somewhat specialized over the course of time for reasons that we are not celebrating per se, but we're accepting and realizing a reality, a reality exiled, a reality not knowing how to express ourselves appropriately, a reality which began all the way back then as Haram Bam described in the initial exile, in the days of Anshay Knesset and so on, um, a reality in which a standardized text, a standardized way of practice we know it in halakha, but in prayer as well, has taken form and is so much binding to the extent that there will be, and can, there have been, and will be uh, these voices, strong voices, which say, be very careful as you look to, or you consider changing nosach. Is there, are there at all times detractors? Certainly, we mentioned different prayer books that have in our day emerged. Uh, you'll find over the course of time many different prayer books. There's always different versions of prayer books. There's a prayer book that pushes it back to tradition and the prayer book that envisions it at how it should have been or how it should be now. I just conclude with an irony on the irony. Whereas if we were to split this class into two, which we kind of did, the first three sources were the sources that brought us into that ideal vision of prayer. You want to change the nosach, so change the nosach. Nothing wrong with that, provided, of course, that you have the right intention. The next three sources are absolutely not. There's a rigidity over here. There's a standardized text which can't be changed. Maharam Sheik, along the lines of what I quoted from Baal Shem Tov, Maharam Sheik is a Hungarian rabbi, a 19th century, late 19th century, if I'm not mistaken, Hungarian rabbi, in his book, he addresses head on the Magen Avraham we found in source number four. And for some reason or another, again, I think what's, I think what's, what's, what's pushing this is, we're dealing with prayer, can we really talk that way? But maybe there's another consideration. His claim goes as follows. Even though Magen Avram did write, there are those gateways up above, and you can't really change it. If you're really passionate, if you're really willing and, and, and driven to the other minhag with regards to prayer, again, Abraham wasn't talking about it. What do you mean? He gets a little bit spiritual on us, and he says if the gate is the source of your soul and you're so driven, so then you must be finding your way to another gate. Effectively, I think what he's speaking and saying to us is we're talking about prayer. And yes, you have a minhag and a custom on prayer, and we're not quickly relinquishing that. Ultimately speaking, though, for one reason or another, you're driven based on your context, based on your, uh, based on your situation, whatever the circumstance may be, to speak the words of prayer in a different version. Says Maharam Sheikh, Magen Abraham could not have been talking about that. Uh, is he right with regards to the intent of Magen Abraham? I'm not certain. Do I find in Maharam Sheikh, who's concluding our conversation, a certain sense of, uh, well, excitement for me? I certainly do because I think he has found a way to, to, to study the rope over here. On the one hand, he says the tradition needs to be binding. Exile and circumstances as they may be need to keep us traditionally grounded. We need a nosah uh, of the week. Uh, however, alternatively, and at the same time, says Maharam Sheikh, you've done the research, you've involved yourself in this circumstance and understood that that's where I'm driven, that's the prayer that I am now attached to, under those circumstances, how could we say that you need to say so, stay so strong 
staunchly set in that past version and can't adapt it and adopt a, a, a different one. Uh, uh, effectively then, you know, those sorts of conversations, that prayer book or this prayer book or another prayer book, all based on sourcing, I, I read them all into this. I read them all into this conversation as, well, listen, we're staunchly connected to tradition, but ultimately speaking, we're hashika. We want to get this prayer right. We want to be effectuating in our souls, in our circumstance, in our prayer groups, our individual prayers, a connection which can be elevated. And in my mind, there's a bit of consolation then in the concluding lines of this. And and in the emergence of many different sidurim in today's day and age, they're not just sidurim which are turning back the clock. They're not sidurim which are making these innovations, which are like expressions, you know, un unseen in the past. They're traditional, but ultimately speaking, the idea that we can and will find a certain evolution in the Sidur, a certain specialized side. As much as the Sidur has gone from specialized to standardized, the fact that there still is a specialization, still is an opportunity for someone who's been staunchly grounded in this Nosach to revert or to turn to another one, in my mind, is, is a consoling fact and notion. Yes?